Good afternoon. This is the better half of the recommended daily dose, Dr. Surat Sugger, infectious disease. Uh, we decided to come to you with weekly COVID-19 updates. And as we all know, the vaccine is here and slowly unraveling across the United States. And as we know, this is going to be the main tool in our arsenal to finally put a dent in this pandemic and achieve herd immunity. So I thought we'd start off a little bit with just the different types of vaccines available. Uh, initially Pfizer and now Moderna, uh, expecting EUA expand use authorization approval by the FDA on Friday. So what are they? How are they similar? Are there any differences? And what do we need to be concerned about? All good questions, which I'm going to now answer. So first of all, these are both what we call messenger RNA vaccines. A lot of misconceptions and uh, myths even of what this is. No, it's not gonna rewrite your DNA. It's not gonna rewrite your RNA. It's not gonna store your information up on the cloud. This is technology that's been worked on for quite some time, uh, even probably applicable uh, going forward for fighting autoimmune disorders and uh, even cancer. What we're basically doing is programming the body to produce antibodies against a specific part of the virus, specifically the spike protein, M spike protein. That's essentially, if you think of the virus as your fist and you stick your thumb up, the thumb is the M spike protein. That's what sticks off the surface of the, of the virus and what the virus uses to attach into the body, and specifically the ACE2 receptors found in the lungs, it's found throughout the body, which is why this particular virus causes a systemic disease. We've talked about it before. You can have so many different symptoms. Uh, so it's it's basically preventing the virus from attaching to the body, integrating and replicating. Remember, all a virus wants to do is replicate itself. It cannot do it without host machinery. In this case, the host is humans. So, you know, this brings us to a first question and myth. I don't want to get the vaccine because I'm afraid uh, that I will get the virus with the vaccine. No, this does not contain live virus. This contains RNA. There's two types of genetic building blocks, as I tell my 12-year-old, DNA and RNA. It contains RNA, of which then subsequently uh, translates, which means it produces or codes for protein. The protein is the M spike protein, and the body responds by producing antibodies. Going forward, now you're gonna have your immune system, B cells as well as T cells activated, so if it ever sees these M spike protein, not the whole virus, just the M spike protein, antibodies are on the ready to attack and prevent the virus from attaching into the body. So now of course people might say, well, gee, this is, seems pretty quick. And I think that's a fair uh, concern. After all, the genetic code for this virus was not made available until January 11, 2020. So here we are now in December. How do we get so far? Well, let's remember a couple of things. This virus, is closely uh, uh, related to SARS. Remember, this is SARS-CoV-2, coronavirus 2. But this is closely related to SARS, which we saw an outbreak, obviously, in Southeast Asia in 2003 and did spread around the world. So we've already had information about this for some time. And again, this technology of messenger RNA has been around for quite some time as well. It certainly predates this pandemic. So using that information is what helped us to achieve to where we are, which, again, is, is a triumph of science. Remember, were corners cut? The answer is no. FDA has assured us that all typical um, uh, uh, processes uh, were instituted here. So, which is why uh, there was no definitive time. There was no, you know, vaccine had to be ready by election time. The process played out. The post-vaccination safety profiles, mandatory for two months, have played out. 
And the post-marketing trials, which are typical for any drugs, we call phase four post-marketing trials, which means even after something's approved, of course they're gonna be compiling safety data. So we need the public and everyone listening out there to be rest assured that indeed this vaccine has gone under all rigorous uh, uh, scrutiny. Uh, the data has been made public, so you have independent reviewers reviewing this, this data and not just the pharmaceutical companies and the sponsors of the vaccine. And everything has gone underway. So why was it so quick? Well, again, you had already information about the virus going back to 2003. You had technology already in play. And yes, under Operation Warp Speed, instituted by the government, a lot of the bureaucracy and red tape was cut to speed the process. So it was really cutting that kind of bureaucracy, but not cutting the trial design, the data analysis, etc. So is this a government vaccine? One is and one isn't. We have Moderna, which again, expanding, uh, expecting the EUA by Friday, expand use authorization, and Pfizer, which has already received it, has now obviously had the first uh, people actually getting the vaccination in the United States earlier this week. Uh, Pfizer was not under Operation Warp Speed, but yet Moderna was. So are they similar or are they different? Let's, let's kind of dive into that because these are going to be the two first vaccines that are going to be available. Available for who? For obviously first line uh, healthcare workers, nurses, firemen, policemen, paramedics, respiratory therapists, etc., as well as those over the age of 65, nursing home uh, workers, as well as nursing home residents. So the most vulnerable of our population. And then slowly we'll unravel over the next several months to other members of the population until we hope that we achieve a 75% or greater vaccination rate in the United States, if not the world, to achieve the all crucial herd immunity, which we can talk about in a second. Again, both messenger RNA vaccines both require two doses, so that means there's good compliance could be an issue. Uh, Pfizer is suggested that there is some, perhaps some uh, uh, immunity after the first dose, but you're going to need a second dose 21 days later. Moderna, you're going to need a second dose 28 days later. Now, everyone's going to ask the same question. What about the side effects? Well, yes, there can be some side effects. There most likely will be fatigue, some muscle soreness, even headache, even low-grade fevers. This is not you getting the COVID-19 uh, uh, disease. This is reflection of the immune system doing its job, priming up, warming up, producing those antibodies, producing the B cells and the T cells activating. And again, that is a reflection of your body ramping up production. So yes, you are expected to have some not insignificant side effects, uh, especially most likely and more likely to happen after the second dose. So people need to be aware of that and again, I think if people are empowered to know this ahead of time, A, they can make preparation. Maybe they'll get it on a Friday so they have the weekend to take it easy. Maybe they'll do it on a Thursday because they know they have Friday off or what have you. And also to understand that that reaction is not necessarily a negative thing. It's a positive thing. It's a, it's a reflection of the vaccine doing its job. So if you understand that, we can remove any fear and misconceptions of what a reaction to a vaccine actually has. Now, there are some subtle differences, of course. We, I think a lot of us out there have heard the cold storage requirements for the Pfizer vaccine, uh, which is not necessarily needed by Moderna. So the Moderna vaccine may be easier to transport, may be better suited for rural areas, um, areas that are resource poor, community health centers, private doctor's offices don't have the resources to keep temperatures at minus 70 centigrade that's required by the Pfizer vaccine. Again, because this RNA is so fragile, it's actually surrounded by an, in an oily droplet to protect it. And to maintain its integrity, it has to be kept at that very extreme cold temperatures. Otherwise, they're relatively the same. You know, they have similar side effect profile. Moderna might have a slightly more uh, incidence of headaches, etc. But essentially, both the same. Both two vaccines are going to require compliance to come back and get the second dose. 
uh, while you may have some immunity after the first dose the full 95% for Pfizer and 94% efficacy for Moderna is only achieved after receiving the full series. So that becomes really important for people to understand that, you know, they have to come back for the second dose and to understand that any side effects they may have could be more pronounced after the second dose. If I had COVID once before, should I get the vaccine? The answer is yes. Now why? Someone had a mild disease of COVID. Yes, they're going to produce antibodies. We don't know how durable. That means how long they're going to last. The idea is if you had natural infection, the more severe disease you had, the more profound and strong immune response that you will produce. So why don't we just let everyone get sick, uh, you know, and get the natural infection? Well, because we know a lot of people will die if they get the actual disease. So that's not a realistic solution. We understand that people that recover may have some sense of, uh, may have some degree of immunity, but we just don't know how profound, how strong and how durable and how long it will last. So in other words, by getting the vaccine, you have a reliable immune response where with natural infection, it's variable and we don't know how to quantify it. So if I would tell most people, you know, if you're looking in terms of order of getting the vaccine and importance and priority, people who are recovered in the last three months, they probably can feel rest assured they have a decent uh, level of immunity. And so in general, most hospitals and doctor's offices and and institutions that are administering the vaccine have a, a, a policy in place that they want people to have at least been three months since they recovered from COVID-19. That's not because of a reaction. That's because of the just priority that if you had COVID in the last three months, the chance of you having uh, a pretty strong immune response uh, is, is high. Now, is there any harm? That's what people say. Well, my guy, I already have antibodies. What if I get this vaccine? No, you're priming your immune system. There is no harm in, reap, in priming an immune system that is already ready from a natural infection. So don't feel uh, cautious about that. And again, remember, this is now a more reliable immune response as opposed to a natural infection. Now, hey, well, I got the vaccine. I'm protected. Do I need to wear a mask? Surprisingly, to some of you out there, the answer is yes. Now, why is that? The study was looking at people who received the vaccine. Do they prevent it from getting severe disease? And the answer is yes. 95 up between 94 and 95% efficacy. Incredible amount of protection. However, it does not mean that someone who gets the virus, who doesn't get any symptoms because they're protected, cannot transmit it to someone else. Uh, without getting too complicated, the virus may, may, uh, may concentrate in the nose. You know, the person may, has antibodies that attacks it so that it never is able to gain root uh, via the different receptors in the body, in the lung, in the GI tract, in the endocrine system, in the arterial system to cause disease. But yeah, then I could also just sneeze or cough and pass it on to someone else. So it's very important for people to understand that while getting a vaccine will prevent you from getting sick, we still have to utilize social distancing, etc., until we achieve that level of herd immunity where it's not widespread in the community. So I think that's really important for people to understand that this does not give you a pass. I can do whatever I want. You still have to wear a mask. Now, as this winter, which will be a long cold winter, I'm sure, due to uh, the, the implications of surges throughout the country as we transition to spring and then to summer the hope is that the circulating amount of virus the r naught which is how many people infect other people continues to go down so that yes we can perhaps at some point stop uh, social uh, distancing stop the uh, wearing of masks and going back to a semblance of life that we all want to go back to but again that is going to require not only a proper vaccination rate but also maintaining masks and social distancing until the prevalence of this virus decreases dramatically in the community.
So listen, this is a quick blurb of what you need to know this week. As we know, this is a rapidly evolving process and our hope is to have regular weekly updates on everything COVID uh, and perhaps even talking about some other things unrelated like the new Coming to America sequel, uh, which we're both very excited to talk about and see at some point. In the meantime, this is Dr. Surit Sagar with my friend in the peanut gallery. Until next time, be well.